Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually and then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 192 of Selling the Couch. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me for today's session. I am quite excited because spring is my favorite time of the year. And I particularly love living here in the Northeast in the spring because the weather is reasonable and the temperature is in the 70s and it's in the evenings, there's a cool breeze and I don't know, I just love this time of the year. And I used to have a lot of, well, not a lot, but a mild sort of seasonal allergies when I lived in Texas and then when I lived in Nashville, but For some reason, when I've moved up here to Philly, they have not been as present. I think it's the little turmeric concoction that I I drink or that I have with with local honey. So I'm hoping that that keeps up. So today's uh, podcast session is a pretty awesome topic and one that I'm just very excited to share with you. I called it the three M's of entrepreneurship. And my guest today is Lee McDonough. Uh, Lee is a licensed clinical social worker from carevilcoaching.com. And we're talking all about the mindset that it takes in order to be a private practice owner and to be a business owner. Today's podcast is supported by Turning Point HQ. Uh, This is a brand new sponsor on the STC podcast, but David and I call him Dave. Dave and I have gotten to know each other over the past two years. He was a previous STC podcast guest. And honestly, Dave is one of the most kind and generous and helpful people that I know. And with sponsors, you guys know I'm I'm super discretionary in terms of who I share uh, the STC audience with. And Dave, when uh, we talked about sponsorship, he was one of those people. I just I had zero doubt. And so Dave is a financial planner, uh, specifically for therapists, and his whole mission is to transform your relationship with money. I know for many of us, uh, money is something that, and the money stories that we have often been told, it impacts a lot of how we do business. It impacts how we approach things like retirement and investing and all of those things. And Dave understands that, and he comes from just a very heart-centered place to help us build out an investment in a retirement portfolio. Dave actually has this really cool guide. Uh, It's absolutely free to download, and it's called The Seven Money Mistakes That Hold Therapists Back. You can find it over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash turning point HQ. 
And that guide has a lot of the things that that can hold a lot of therapists back. And actually, if you go through that link as well, you get $200 off any service that Dave provides. In today's session, we're going to cover a range of different things. We're going to talk a lot about the fear of success and the fear of failure and how for, I remember I used to have an old supervisor, Vicky, if you're listening, shout out to you, who once told me about this idea of the fear of success. And she said, Melvin, I think you have a fear of success. And I was like, fear of success? What? I don't, that made, that didn't make any sense. Why would I fear success? And it is interesting because I, if I am completely honest, there's a part of me I fear success. And I think for many of us, we have a fear of failure, but simultaneously, we also have this fear that as business owners, if what we do in the world, if it succeeds, oh my gosh, how will I sustain it? And then what will things be like if things succeed and and those kind of things. So we're going to talk a lot about that. We're going to talk about this integration of the skill set that we need as entrepreneurs versus the mindset, and then how to sort of integrate mindfulness or values-based work into the the entrepreneurial journey. This is a, a really cool and a really practical conversation. As you can hear in this conversation, I got really excited just talking about it. So I'm very excited to share with you. So we'll get right to it. Here is my conversation with Lee from carevilcoaching.com. Hey, Lee, welcome to Selling the Couch. Thank you so much, Melvin. I am so excited to be here today. I've loved what you're doing in the world. And I was equally excited to have you on the podcast because one, I think I appreciate how you think you own who you are as a therapist, but then you think so out of the box in terms of what we can do with our careers. So thank you. I will be honest with you. When I first kind of went into the type of work I'm doing now, I was really hesitant, really scared to put myself out there. If anything, I was way too in the box. So it's definitely been a process. And yet now I can't imagine ever working or living any other way. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I feel like, and I don't know what the experience has been like for you, but I remember, you know, I was just very fortunate to have go to an awesome grad school, to have awesome training. But I think the other side of that is as I came out and became fully licensed, I was very focused on either I'm going to work at a counseling center or I'm going to go into private practice. Like it was, but it really meant I'm going to be in an office, like I'm going to do the nine to five or, you know. That's sort of in the box. And for me, it's been a process even thinking outside the box of what we can really do. Exactly. And it really, it's almost like a skill that you have to develop, looking beyond the norm, looking beyond what we're told we can do to find new opportunities. But then once you tap into that, then you start seeing opportunities everywhere. And that's just such an exciting part about the work that we do. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I love that you you call that a skill because I absolutely think that's true. And one that I feel like I'm still an amateur at and <laughs> figuring out, but, but you're right. I think once you take the leap into something and think outside the box, you see these new opportunities arise. And at least for me, I think for a long time, I just thought, you know what, if I take the leap and something doesn't work out, that just means I'm going to freeze and not know what to do. And one of the things that I've found is surprisingly, that even if things don't work out, somehow there's something inside of me that has the ability to be flexible and figure things out. And I think that's true for many of us. 
Absolutely. And what I have really realized in my own journey, first as a therapist, but then as a coach and a business owner, that I learn so much more from the things that don't go well. And I hesitate to even call them mistakes because honestly, I don't believe in mistakes. I really don't because everything has taught me something. Everything has a lesson in it. And so now I approach my work almost like, okay, so how can I fail big today? Right? Because when I give myself permission to fail, then all of a sudden I remove the pressure. I remove the judgment. And it's like, let's see what I can go create today. And regardless of the outcome, I learn from it. And that for me has been such an important part to really embrace this idea of welcoming failure because it really is one of the best tools we have in growing our business and and our lives. Yeah. I oh my gosh, you just said so many like really awesome stuff there. And I kind of just wanted to distill it. First of all, that that phrase, how do I fail big? I mean, kind of mind blown here. So <laughs> because I think that's such a different way of looking at it. You know, like if I'm honest with myself as a business owner, I'm a plan, 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 aim, aim, aim. Okay, let me just make sure I'm aiming properly. And if I'm completely honest, it's I have this terrible fear of failing, you know? Mm -hmm. And just the way that you said that, like, what if we actually embraced failing as not as a judgment on ourselves or our own competence, but really as an opportunity for growth. Absolutely. And and I'll be honest, you are talking to a recovering perfectionist here, very much someone who was terrified of failing. For most of my life, many of the decisions I made and the actions I took were coming from a place of, don't screw this up. Don't fail. You have to be on your game at all times. And that was such a high pressure way of living. And even when I did do well, even when I did succeed, I wasn't really fully conscious of it. I wasn't enjoying it because I was so worried about what came next and how I could keep myself from failing, how I could maintain the momentum of what was going on. And it really was just such an anxiety provoking way of running my business and living my life. And so it's taken a lot of inner work to get comfortable with the idea of failure. And part of what I've realized is that in my life, there is no such thing as failure. There may be things that don't work out according to plan. There may be things that I wish would happen that don't. But I don't frame that as failure anymore. I frame that as just a part of my journey because I've been able to see how I've created so many other opportunities that I never could have predicted as a result of stepping out and being willing to fail. Yeah, even uh, you said like a couple of things I, I wanted to distill, but also I just wanted to share like even for me, like this podcast, I remember when I first put it out, it was March 9, 2015. And I had put all this time into creating this podcast. And I was like, man, I really hope people will listen. And then I think I had like nine downloads or something on the very first day. And I'm pretty sure, like, if I'm being completely honest, it was like five or six of those was family. (laughs) That was just, you know, like wanting to support me. And I I remember thinking that first day, man, I, I don't know if I can really sustain this. And you said two things and I wanted to kind of tease those out a little bit. So you you said for a long time, you were recovering perfectionist. And one of sort of your mantras was don't screw this up, right? Mm -hmm. How did you move from that place of always thinking don't screw this up to actually embracing that sort of journey and even the potential to fail? I would say it really has been a lifelong process, but it was certainly 
distilled in my first year of going into business for myself, of starting Caravel Coaching, my, my coaching practice. Because when I started that practice, I had basically made the decision that I was going to go into coaching full-time, which meant leaving behind a fairly successful therapy career. And so I was approaching that work from this idea of, you must make this work. You have to. You are giving up everything. You are giving up your identity as a therapist. You're giving up your, your, your business. So if you're going to go into this, you have to make this work. And so for the first year even 18 months of my business, every decision I made was rooted in this idea of you have to make it work. You have to make it work. And then a year in, I was miserable. I was not making the revenue that I had hoped for. And I was coming really close to just throwing in the towel. And I had to take a long, hard look at how I was approaching my business, how I was approaching my life, because as I'm sure a lot of us know, those of us who are in private practice or who run our own businesses, we don't start a business to be miserable, right? Like if I wanted to be miserable, I could go be an employee somewhere. And so I thought to myself, what is going on here? Because I had confidence in myself as a coach. I really knew that I was good at what I did. So where was the disconnect? And that's when I realized, well, how are you approaching this? You are approaching this 100% fear-based. It's this idea that if you don't make this work, then it will be a failure and you will have given up everything all for naught. And once I had that aha moment, then the question became, well, how do I want to approach this? And that's when I really reconnected to my core values, which for me are service, connection, joy, and love. And I realized that I was really not living those values out in my business. And so I had to go back to square one. I did a rebrand. I redid my website. And everything was based in those four core values. And so once I was able to recenter myself in those and then give myself permission to try new things, give myself permission to fail, that's when I started not only seeing more growth in my business, but also being Beer. Like I was just experiencing a sense of fulfillment that I had never experienced before because I was giving myself permission to do new things and I was rooting them in my values. Yeah. I mean, uh, you just said that just so, that was so beautiful the way you said that because that was the second part of my question. I think you just answered it, which is I feel like many of us struggle with this second element that you mentioned earlier, which is, and I know I personally struggle with it, which is you put all this work into something and it actually, succeeds, but then you're almost scared that something like almost like that, you know, something's going to get pulled out from under you or, oh my gosh, now that this is succeeding, how am I going to sustain it? How did you actually shift that? So it sounds like part of it was working in your values, but how did you shift that mindset of learning to embrace the moments, right? The moments of success, the moments of hard work versus always being I think for many of us, like, I guess future focus might be the right word. Right. You know, and it's funny because you're exactly right. I went from having a fear of failure to having a fear of success, you know, fear of not doing it right. And then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I am doing it right. What if I can't keep this going? And so then I had to kind of step back and practice everything I preach. You know, at, when I was practicing as a therapist, I was trained in acceptance and commitment therapy in ACT. And ACT still informs a lot of the work I do as a coach. It informs how I interact with my clients. I, I wrote a book about that. And so I had to go back to the basics and start applying all of these 
processes and concepts that I was talking to my own clients about. What does it look like to anchor my business and my values? What does it look like to change my relationship with my thoughts and with my emotions? And then how can I center myself in the present moment so that I'm showing up fully for my clients and for myself and trusting the process? That's a big part for me is not just having faith, but having certainty that however my life unfolds is exactly how it's meant to and that I'm right on time for my life. There's no such thing as being late for my life because everything is unfolding as it should. And the reason it is, is because I'm showing up and doing the work. So for me, it's having that certainty and that trust in my belief system and then showing up and doing the work to meet it halfway. And so that's been a huge part of me approaching my business with a sense of joy and also never losing sight of the fact that I'm here to serve. That's something that my entire life I've known that I am here to serve. And there's different ways to do that. And now I'm having a lot of fun exploring how to serve through this business. And it's going wonderfully now. And then as I move forward, I may evolve into something else, something new. That's okay because as humans, we're constantly evolving. And if we try to stop that process, if we try to grasp on to what we have too tightly, then we're going to just choke the life out of it. And so part of it is learning how to be comfortable with that ebb and flow. I think an old supervisor once told me part of this whole journey is like learning to dance in the rain. Oh, yes. <laughs> as you were saying that, like that, I don't know, that phrase just came to mind for me. I'm just taking a moment and, and letting that sink in because I think that's exactly right. And I know for me, you know, when I think about the rain, it's like, oh, it's putting a damper on everything. You know, oh, when, when will the sun come back? And really what this is about is seeing the rain as beautiful and finding the opportunity in it and dancing in it. I, I love that. Well, and I think there's, we're talking about this, which is that I feel like I can even say this, like all of us that, that start businesses, that start these private practices and, and businesses, I feel like there is something in us that that pushes, that perseveres. And I think part of learning to dance in the rain is is embracing that that side of it. Absolutely. You know, if there's one thing that private practitioners and entrepreneurs are, it, it, we're resilient. You know, we we know how to find opportunity. We know how to go for it and we know what it takes to move on when the outcome is something other than what we want. And so that resilience we hold is just such an important thing to continue to cultivate because I do believe resilience can be cultivated. It's not something that you're born with. You can learn it. It can be a skill. And so in approaching failure, in approaching success, it's always an opportunity to build our resilience. That's awesome. I wanted to shift a little bit and, and talk a little bit about your website. So I did a little bit of exploring beforehand. <laughs> I love the way that you phrase things. And I wanted to actually pull out one of the phrases and, and talk a little bit more about this because I think this would just be so helpful to, to those two folks that are listening. So on your website, you say, to build a business that serves you and your clients, you need both the skill set and the mindset to back it up. So when I read that, I, I had to read like, couple of times and I was like, first time I was like, huh, okay, what does that mean? And then the second time I was like, oh, I kind of get that. That's really interesting. So for you, what do you mean when you say the word that you need both the skill set and the mindset? So what is for you, what does skill set mean? So when I talk about skill set, I am really talking about the elements that allow us to address the what and the how 
of the work that we do. So for example, like if you're a therapist and you're building a private practice, you're probably going to have a lot of questions about, you know, where do I begin? How do I start? How do I find clients? What do I do once they're actually there? And so these are questions that can usually be answered with a tool, a strategy, some sort of action. They tend to be a little more externally focused. And so skill set encompasses all of the tools that we have in our toolkit to answer those type of what and how questions. On the other side, we have mindset. And for me, mindset is less about the what and the how and much more about the who. And this is where we start getting into some of those limiting beliefs that we hold. You know, who am I to be a private practitioner? Who am I to be an entrepreneur? What makes me think I have what it takes? And so when we're looking at mindset, it's really looking at how we want to relate to our thoughts and our emotions and how they inform our self-concept, our identity, and the work that we do. And so that's why I think that particularly when you're going into business for yourself, whether you're a private practitioner, entrepreneur, you need both. You, Yes, you absolutely need to know the how-to and the logistics of running a business, but you also need the mindset the belief that you can do this. And so that's why I think it's so important to really address both of those at every point in your business. Yeah. Even, I mean, as you say that, like it resonates for me because I mean, in, in just being like fully transparent. So earlier this, or well, late last week, I created a post in the, in the free Facebook group. And I basically, you know, asked folks, you know, what do you think about moving our community off of Facebook? just for a range of reasons, you know, and I outlined those in the post. So that's beside the point. But I remember creating that post and I, as would be expected, there were a a range of answers and reactions. And I remember thinking like, man, I felt like every time I read one of those answers, it was either like, I was like, okay. And then other times I read, I was like, oh no. So (laughs) when you were saying mindset, I was like, that's so true. Because, you know, sometimes for all of us, right, we can have a sense of where we need to go and we can have a sense of direction and all of those things. But a lot of times it is those like limiting beliefs or those, those fears, all those different things that if we're not careful, really impact the decisions that we ultimately make. That's true. And and it's also not a one and done kind of thing either. You know, as we grow in our businesses, as we evolve, we are going to face other mindset questions that we need to address. Much like we talked about before, moving from fear of failure into fear of success. That's just a mindset shift. And what I notice both in myself and also with my clients is that at the beginning, we tend to be kind of skill set oriented. We want to know how to do something. It's like somebody give me the checklist so that I can do it all and do it all the right way. And so very much kind of tapping into that perfectionist piece as well. So we, we start there. And then as we start doing the work, as we start putting things into place, that's when I find the mindset issues emerge. So we're getting some traction, we're figuring stuff out, and then the limiting beliefs come in. Then the gremlins come in and start questioning what we're doing and asking, you know, do you really have what it takes? And who are you to do this? You know, imposter syndrome, all of that stuff comes up. And there is a reason for that. I mean, we are stepping out and doing something really brave and really bold. We are putting ourselves at the outside of the herd. And that is exactly what our brains, our minds do not want us to do. They want us to be safe. They want us to belong. They want us to be a part of the community. And that's why our species has made it when others haven't, right? So from an evolutionary perspective, it makes so much sense that our minds would all of a sudden be 
seemingly working against us. And so when we view it through that perspective, it makes sense that as we're growing, we have these inner beliefs that want to challenge us. And so that's where the work has to be done. And then once we do that work, we're able to reemerge and return to the how-to work. And now we're approaching the work we're doing on our businesses and in our businesses from a completely different perspective. And then the cycle repeats itself. And so that's certainly what I've noticed in my own entrepreneurial journey. And you know, 95% of the time, that's what I'm seeing in my clients as well. So it is an ongoing process. Yeah, no, I love the way you phrase that. It's not like sort of a one and done kind of thing, you know, and sometimes we come back to the very things that we struggled with previously. Mm-hmm. I wanted to wrap up sort of talking about, you know, for you, you, you shared that successful entrepreneurship requires sort of three elements or three facets. So one is meaning, the second is mindset, and the third is mindfulness. So mm-hmm. I was wondering if we could break each of those down. So what do you mean by meaning? What do you mean by mindset? And what do you mean by mindfulness? Absolutely. So I call these the three M's, the three M's of entrepreneurship. And again, those of you who are familiar with ACT, this is going to sound really familiar because I drew on the principles of ACT when kind of creating this this outlook. So when I talk about meaning, that's where I really am bringing in the concept of values and committed action. So we're looking at what matters to you. What do you want your life to be about? So the core principles that guide the actions that you're taking. And so earlier I mentioned for me, it comes down to service, connection, joy, and love. And so when I am operating from a place where I'm connected to meaning, the actions that I'm taking in my business and in my life are rooted in those core values. So meaning helps us really identify not just how we want to live our lives, but why. It's, it's the big why behind it. And then we can make decisions accordingly. And when we have value clashes, we can navigate those as well. But it really is anchored in how we want to show up in the world and, and why it matters to us. So that's the meaning piece. The mindset piece, which I kind of talked about a little bit, for me, that's, that is changing the way we relate to our thoughts and our emotions. So when we have an unwanted thought or when we have an unwanted emotion, rather than trying to push it away or avoid it, that's often the case with emotions, or rather than running to it and fusing with it, which is often the case with thoughts, we're able to recognize them as independent things. So that we don't have to define ourselves by our thoughts and our feelings. We can view them simply as data and then we can decide the extent to which we want to accept or reject it. And so we're creating a detachment there from our thoughts and our feelings, which offers us a lot of freedom and offers us the opportunity for choice. And so that's kind of how I view mindset. And then the third piece, mindfulness, this is about responding to things in the present moment from a place of full awareness and non-judgment. Because what I find, and this is certainly the case with me, is that when I'm not fully present in the moment, I'm either ruminating about things in the past that I wish I'd done differently, or maybe I'm getting nostalgic and remembering the good old days and getting really caught up in things that have already happened, or I am time traveling into the future and getting really anxious and spun up about things that haven't happened yet, or maybe I'm anticipating things. You know, it, it can be positive. I mean, it goes both ways here. But 
whenever I'm doing that, if I'm you know, going into the past or if I'm transporting myself into the future, I'm pulling myself out of the present moment. I'm disconnected from myself. I'm disconnected from the people around me, from the world around me. And I'm probably not living in harmony with those values that I mentioned before. So the mindfulness piece helps us stay anchored in the present moment. And then we pull in the concept of the observer self, which is the idea that, yes, I am this person who's who's doing and acting and I'm showing up, but there's also a part of me that's always aware that I'm doing it. Because one of the things that makes us unique as humans is that we have the ability to create, participate in, and observe our actions all at the same time. And when we're aware of that, when we feel it happening, there's, that is so centering. It, it really brings us into the beauty of the present moment. And that's the place from which we can take that value-driven action. So all three of these really work together so that whatever it is we're doing, however it is we want to show up, we're doing so from a place that is fulfilling, is vital, and will lead us to that successful outcome that we want. I almost, uh, tell me if this is like, I don't know, I had this image. It's kind of like the mindfulness element, almost like the glue that binds the meaning and mindset kind of together. I can absolutely see that. Yes. But I think you could also make an argument for any combination of those. I think you could make an argument that the mindset piece could be the glue too, because once we relate to our thoughts and, and emotions differently, then we're able to be anchored in the present moment and make value consistent decisions. So I, I see them like so entwined that all three are necessary and all three build on each other. So again, it's that continuing evolution of how we want to show up in the world. That's so cool. Lee, I am just so grateful for you. I'm grateful for the work you're doing in the world. Please let us know where we can learn more about you and please definitely share more about that awesome book that you put out. Oh, thank you. I This has just been such a wonderful conversation. I'm so grateful to have been on today. For people who want to learn more about how you can use the principles of ACT in your business, then my book, Act on Your Business, Braving the Storms of Entrepreneurship and Creating Success Through Meaning, Mindset, and Mindfulness is going to be a must-have resource for you. So you can go to actonyourbusiness.com or you can head over to Amazon where it's available in paperback and Kindle. And then I'd love to know your thoughts about it. So you can find me on Instagram at LC McDonough, L-C-M-C-D-O-N-O-U-G-H. And I would love to talk to you more about your thoughts about how to create, grow, and sustain a successful, fulfilling business. Perfect. Lee, thank you so much again for doing this. Oh, Melvin, thank you so much. Hi there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Lee. And I hope that today's podcast conversation has been particularly helpful, especially if you're in a season of life where you really are struggling with the mindset piece and fears and even knowing that you have the clinical experience and you're confident in your clinical skills, but maybe the mindset aspect that is something that hinders you or prevents you from taking action, especially with sort of big leaps that you may need to take. I felt like uh, on this podcast interview, I shared a lot about, you know, kind of my own struggles. And I think one of the things I just wanted to share as we wrap up for today is that, you know, for me, even now that I've been doing this for five years, doing this business journey, it's not that the fears go away, you know, and even as I record this, I'm sort of weighing some big steps, big processes and big steps with STC and what that would look like and 
you know, a big part of this is looking at my own values, right? And thinking about, you know, my family, uh, now that we have Chloe in the world, you know, wanting to be an awesome daddy to her, and uh, thinking also about, you know, service and mission, and sort of the bigger picture and where STC is going. So I think a lot about that kind of stuff. And I think for me, this, this episode was particularly helpful, just on a personal level. We mentioned a number of resources, which you can find over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 192. You can also find a link to uh, Lee's book, which I encourage you to check out, especially if you really resonate with values-based work and sort of operating in the world. I know that I'm going to be uh, downloading the book as soon as I get off this recording. Before we wrap up, just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Turning Point HQ for supporting today's podcast session. So Turning Point HQ is the result or is the brainchild of David Frank, who is a financial planner for therapists. And as I've mentioned before, uh, Dave and I actually have gotten to be good friends, just an awesome person to work with. And one of the things that Dave will help us to do is create a holistic and an intentional retirement and an investing plan that supports you to lead a really awesome life. Because ultimately, I think for many of us, it's we invest, right, to create the life that we want. And uh, it's to do it in an intentional way. And Dave, honestly, is just one of the most like heart-centered folks that I've ever met. And you're absolutely going to be in good hands with him. You can learn more about Turning Point HQ and the awesome services that they provide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash turning point HQ. And if you go through that link, uh, Dave actually created this seven financial mistakes that therapists make. It's a free downloadable and uh, you can download it right there. And then you also get $200 off any of your, any of the services that Dave provides. Be sure to mention that you heard it on STC. Thanks again for taking the time to listen and I will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business, just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.